And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Big Football Show, a podcast from The Athletic about Big Ten football. I'm Mitch Sherman. Scott Docterman is with me. We are here, as always, to talk about the Big Ten West. But off the top, let us update the college football playoff rankings for our listeners. Out on Tuesday night, Ohio State remains number four in the CFP rankings. There was some concern there after the Buckeyes cancellation last week against Illinois because of COVID issues at Ohio State, but they are still number four without their head coach Ryan Day this week for the road trip to Michigan State. Indiana is 12th, Northwestern comes in at 14th, Wisconsin number 16, and Iowa at number 19 in the college football playoff rankings as of Tuesday, December 1st. So Scott, after several weeks of basking in the glow of perfection while on a near certain path to the playoff, Northwestern, as you could tell from the number 14 ranking, was knocked off its perch Saturday by lowly Michigan State. I think that we should have a moment of silence here on our Big Ten West pod for the Wildcats. Okay, we just had it. Um, <laughs> yes, it was... I watched the game on Saturday, and it was that was a really um, it it was a typical performance for Northwestern to get into a scrap with a Michigan State. The same way it was almost the exact same game as Iowa. Only in this case, they didn't uh, come you know didn't come to play in the fourth quarter. But but I think going back to the rankings, um, Ohio State staying at number four and listening to Gary Barta's explanation and. And I'm always piqued when Gary Barta talks because he actually started his job the same day I moved to Iowa and started mine in 2006. Uh, you are cosmically connected. Uh, we are. Uh, you know, in fact, one time I actually uh, coached my son's team against his son's team in flag football, and he came up to me after the game and he's like, "Hey, coach, can I talk to you for my blog?" <laughs> so, <laughs> so we 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 go back kind of a long way. But but listening to what he said about the Buckeyes, he said the the room just feels that Ohio State's the better team ahead of Texas A and M, and they had a lot of discussion. And I guess if you're Ohio State, you you've got to exhale in that because. This team isn't really built. I don't think it really matters if it wins the Big Ten title. That's not its objective. Yeah. Its, its objective is to get to the Final Four, and right now it's still there. And barring either a, a collapse, a, a, you know, a loss to Michigan State, Michigan, and or somebody, uh, probably Northwestern, if it wins its next two games, it will be Northwestern. Um, it's going to get that opportunity, it appears. So... All things told, the the not playing the Illini, and I don't think anybody would have expected the Illini to 
upset them anyway, but not playing them uh, has not hurt their opportunity to get to the playoff. Yeah, a couple of key points on Ohio State as it does relate to the West. It was mentioned again Tuesday night on the ESPN show that Michigan can essentially end Ohio State's Big Ten title hopes by canceling on the Buckeyes next week. There are a lot of ways to go with that. Michigan, of course, wants to play that game, but it may not be able to happen. And the reality is, I think more of an interesting point here, that could be a good thing for Ohio State to not play in the Big Ten Championship. If things work out and a one-loss Wisconsin team is ranked higher than Northwestern, but the Badgers are ineligible for the Big Ten Championship game because they haven't played enough contests and Ohio State gets matched against Wisconsin, a win against Wisconsin would or could look more impressive to Gary Barta and the committee than the Buckeyes taking care of a now flawed Northwestern team, no longer an undefeated Northwestern team. So despite Wisconsin losing to Northwestern, by the time we get to December 19th, the Badgers could be ranked higher than the Wildcats and set up a better win for Ohio State. What do you make, Scott, of all the chaos that could occur this year as expected, as it should be, on the eve of those final CFP rankings. Yeah, and I mean, I, I do think, you know, whoever wins that Wisconsin-Iowa game next week uh, would be a worthy opponent for the Buckeyes. And I think both carry a profile and both carry, um, and you know, because Iowa's 19th, Wisconsin's 16th. So it's not like, you know, exactly. there's, there's a huge gap between those two. And if Iowa happens to beat Wisconsin, Iowa has right now the number one point differential in the Big Ten at 91 points. So it does carry a little bit of weight. And, and I think that would probably look like a more interesting matchup than, than Northwestern. But that said, Northwestern earned its way to Indianapolis. And then with Minnesota canceling this week, um, all it has to do is not play this week and it gets there. Um, so if there's a cancellation in the East and then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, Maryland, uh, you want to play uh, instead of, you know, instead of playing Michigan, you want to again, play, uh, yeah, again. And then all of a sudden, instead of being at 43 to three, maybe it's 23 to 20 and voila, you have chaos again. But, but this has been nothing short of a, a Thanksgiving jambalaya in this big 10 season. I mean, it's just throw everything into the pot and heat it up and it's, you know, where that's where we're at. And that, it's interesting, but it's crazy. That could be a real interesting discussion for Jim Phillips and Pat Fitzgerald uh, in Evanston there later this week. If Michigan does bail on Maryland in the Big Ten calls and says, OK, we got Maryland lined up for you. What you did? I, I don't know. Does does Northwestern get to say no? If, if it doesn't want to play Maryland a second time, knowing that by sitting out this Saturday, it can just go straight to the Big Ten championship game. Uh, that would seem uh, not in the spirit of what we're trying to do here and getting games in this football season. Maryland also has Big Ten championship aspirations, although they're much more remote than Northwestern. There is a possibility if Ohio State is booted out of contention and Indiana now goes in the tank with its starting quarterback Michael Penix out for the year that Maryland could could sneak past Indiana in the uh, win percentage and get into the Big Ten championship game too so I, I, I any thoughts from you on whether Northwestern would have the ability to turn down that rematch you know I think at this point they probably could I think if there was a cancellation today or yesterday and then 
I think they would probably feel compelled to play. They and they should feel compelled to play because this conference and all of its members need that TV inventory money. And you lose a game, you lose an opportunity. But if it's Thursday, uh, you know, on two days' notice, hey, let's go hop in and play this game. No, I don't think that one would work as well. So I, I think they're gonna go ahead and. You know, pop the open up the cigar box and and celebrate their second West Division title in three years, and I don't really blame them. I I mean I think Minnesota they were they were a better team than Minnesota, but I think they did create some issues for the Wildcats. I think Tanner Morgan is capable of having a good game, even with Rashad Bateman out. I think the the Gophers were capable of. of getting down the field and Mo Ibrahim is a really good running back. Now they have no defense, but, uh, but then again, Northwestern doesn't have much of an offense. So, I mean, I think that would have been a, a very intriguing matchup and it's really unfortunate for anybody's hopes, Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, whomever to, that, well, you can't even, there's no opportunity to even hope this weekend for, for anything. Right. So to reset what we're talking about, if, Northwestern doesn't play this week. It's in the Big Ten championship game. Um, so, <laughs> you know, looking at the lineup of games, we've mentioned that Northwestern at Minnesota is canceled. Otherwise, it's a somewhat less than stellar slate in the Big Ten West. We've got one and four Nebraska at two and three Purdue, five and one Indiana without Penix, as I mentioned, at two and one Wisconsin. That's a game of, with two ranked teams. And then four and two Iowa going to two and three Illinois. So it's not the uh, it's not the, the lineup that I think we expected when we looked at December uh, 5th on the calendar early in the year. But what, what stands out to you about those games? Are, are you are you still excited to see, still interested to see Indiana, Wisconsin? Yeah, I am actually, because I, I feel like it's been forever since we've watched Wisconsin, which is pretty much all season. I mean, they've gotten three games in, and they were canceled last week from the, the Axe game. So I want to see how they bounce back. I still think they're a pretty good team. They lost to, to Northwestern. That was uh, an interesting game for them because, you know, that came right after they just had a – they unleashed a, a blitzkrieg on on. Michigan. So I want to see how they rally. I also want to see what Indiana can do because they've had such a great year. Uh, but going to Madison is never easy. It's certainly not going to be easy on Saturday without Michael Penix, who's just this do-it-all awesome athlete who can do so many different things. So I think that's going to be a really intriguing matchup. Now, I won't be watching it live, but I do think it's a... Uh, I, I mean, I like the Badgers. I think the Badgers has have the opportunity to really kind of grind up Indiana in that matchup. But uh, I, and I feel for Indiana because I think with Penix, it at least would be an interesting game. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit of a disservice to just write off Indiana because its best player and starting quarterback is out. I mean, the Hoosiers have earned this spot as a top 15 team and, and competed extremely well against Ohio State a couple of weeks ago. So Indiana has been one of those teams nationally that has stepped up and made the most of this situation. And to say, okay, I'm going to forget about them because they lost their starting quarterback. You know, let's see. Let's see what happens. Um, Indiana's got a huge game, obviously, for its its postseason hopes uh, in Madison this weekend. And then the rivalry game on the 12th against Purdue. So there's a lot left there for, for Indiana. And I'm sure there's a lot of... Uh, of feelings in, in Bloomington uh, among Tom Allen's group that, you know, they're not going to let this thing get them down, but definitely a setback for Indiana to, to lose Penix. And, and you wonder what that's going to do to that team's psyche. So I'm interested to see how they come out early in that game. What kind of, a, what kind of fight they show in, in going against a team in Wisconsin that really just kind of has an ability to wear on you and lean on you. And, and the Badgers, uh, for having such a disjointed season this year, you're missing the two games early and then the game last week against Minnesota, and they should be fresh. Wisconsin's played three games this year, so uh, it's December. You know, come on into Camp Randall and let's see what these uh, let's see what these Hoosiers got. I, I also like Wisconsin in that game, and, and not necessarily just because of the quarterback situation for Indiana. I think Wisconsin, uh, even with Indiana at full strength, would would win that one. Yeah, it's it's a very difficult team to play if you're riding an emotional roller coaster because they 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 wear on you as you said. They're the pin and pull power game that they run over and over and over and it's going to be cold and it's going to be in Madison. It just grinds you up into meatballs and and especially the case this week. And I, I think Indiana's got a pretty good run defense. I think they're mid-pack in the Big Ten, and and they but they haven't played anybody like this. And Wisconsin just hasn't had that opportunity to to really showcase it since, um, you know, not that often anyway. Um, you know, the mistakes that Graham Mertz make against Northwestern really prevented them from leaning on it against the Wildcats. So I think in this case, it's going to be. It's going to be a challenge for Indiana. If they can win this game, in my eyes, they've proven themselves capable of being um, one of the top two or three teams in the league, no doubt. Hey, ready to be Big Ten champs if uh, 
if Michigan cancels <laughs> on Ohio State, Indiana Hoosiers. I mean, that's uh, is that that's 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 some high and mighty stuff right there. If Indiana is playing for a Big Ten championship, so I mean, you could go yeah. to the Rose Bowl, obviously. So, well, yeah, uh, there's I a mean, lot left there. Right. I mean, if it wasn't one of the playoff bowls, it would be unreal to see Northwestern versus Indiana for the Big Ten title. Uh, at the same time, Iowa State <laughs> is playing for the Big Twelve title. I mean, that is peak 2020 in in a microcosm, but. Uh, But all those teams are playing well. This is not a a freak occurrence. This isn't, um, you know, like one of the, what is it, the coastal division of the ACC where you'll get a 6-6 and team sometimes winning it or the old Big 12 North back in the early 2000s where you'd get a 7-5 and team winning it or, you know, this isn't one of those. They've all earned it. Right. So I got the chance on Friday to see Iowa in person for the first time this year. Got the chance to see you in person got the chance to eat some real press box food for the first time this year. How about credit to Iowa for bringing out the the normal food? I mean, this wasn't COVID food. Normally, we're getting like the uh, here's a bag of granola bars and some <laughs> peanuts from from some of these uh, from some of these schools. And I understand the, uh, the the reasons for for medical purposes, but no, Iowa. I don't know if it was because it was the day after Thanksgiving or what, but they were like carving up the the roast beef behind the uh, behind back in the kitchen there at Kinnick. So I like that. Um, not sure I liked what I saw from Spencer Petrus. Um, I think Iowa won in spite of him. I, I, he, he, I was, uh, I was uninspired, I will say, um, with Iowa's quarterback play in that game against Nebraska. I felt like Nebraska walked out of that game, um, unlucky that it didn't get it done at the end, but also lucky that Iowa didn't have more of, um, Oh, I don't know, an Iowa-like quarterback. I think if Nate Stanley from last year is playing in that game against Nebraska the day after Thanksgiving, Iowa wins it going away by three touchdowns. There were receivers open downfield that Petrus didn't hit. He threw a bad interception in the first half. Um, I understand he's a first-year starter, but as Iowa goes into these last couple of games, Scott starting Illinois at Illinois on Saturday, how much concern is there in Iowa City about uh, the quarterback play that they're getting right now? I think that's a major concern right now. I I think that that is what is holding this team back. I would say it's got a very good defense. It's got an above average to very good running game. And it's got a F-level passing attack with good wide receivers. And that's all on quarterback. After going through um, every single throw multiple times that he made, I classified 16 of the 30 as good to decent and 14 is bad or worse. And and that includes some of his receptions, which were, you know, he's throwing an out route, and it's going on the inside shoulder of a guy. And, and it, first of all, prevents him from getting more yards, but very dangerous throws. I mean, Sean Byer made a heck of a catch, a one-handed catch above his head. And uh, this, is a, this is a team that's trying. But, you know, I also feel for some of these receivers, Amir Smith-Marset and Brandon Smith in particular, Smith Marset was a dynamic player last year with ten touchdowns, and uh, they could barely get a reception. And and you know, Brandon Smith had two drops in that game, but both of them were by his ankles. So he and he's not really the. I mean, he's a big physical guy. He's not really a limber small guy. So yes, I if they had a Nate Stanley or a Jake Rudock or you know, let alone a C.J. Beathard. I mean, this team would be this team would be in the top ten. This team would be undefeated in my eyes. I mean, it's just I really think that Spencer Petrus has not progressed, 
and I don't want to be too negative because he is a college kid, but I think they need to very much investigate a change at quarterback. Hmm. What, what, what kind of options? I know Kirk Ferentz talked on Tuesday and, and was asked some about that quarterback play and, even at the, the you know the possibility of getting some snaps to the backup, I mean, is there really much that Iowa can do here with you know three games potentially a bowl game left on the schedule? I mean, certainly a bowl game, but you know, that's four, that's four games um, that that Iowa would have to work with before the off season arrives. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you know, they're going on the road. Not that that matters in Illinois, whether there are fans or not. There wouldn't be enough to really make a difference. But I think, you know. Uh, he really has to investigate this. I mean, is Alex Padilla, the number two quarterback, just that green that they're worried that he couldn't get the snap, that he'd screw up the handoffs? That you know, I mean, or can he at least function? Because I think at some point you've got to say everybody on this team is competing at a pretty good level, and he's not. And if not, you've got to figure out. Would a change be helpful for everybody? I mean, Petrus has a stronger arm, but it doesn't matter if you can't get there. And I think, you know, there is some discussion about that. I do know that. But I also, knowing Kirk, he's always so reluctant to make that change. Um, but this is kind of a new salty Kirk era. So I guess maybe he will be a little bit more forceful in, in doing some of this. I mean, Spencer Petras playing the way he has is not going to beat Wisconsin, and that's really the game number one around here in Iowa. Beat Wisconsin, and if you can't, if he throws like that, they're not they're going to lose again somewhere in the neighborhood of seventeen to twelve, and it's going to piss everybody off for another year. Yeah, yeah. All right, you mentioned Salty Kirk, so you open the door, <laughs> and this will lead us into some discussion about Nebraska too and its game at Purdue this week. Um, <laughs> Kirk was salty after the game on Friday, and we tried we try to look ahead on this Wednesday podcast, but we're going to take a step and look back at last Friday because it demands that <laughs> as a result of what Scott Frost and Kirk Ferentz said after that game about clapping, clapping on the Iowa sideline. Potent, allegedly, there was clapping on the Iowa sideline that disrupted Nebraska center Cam Jurgens, who has had snapping issues for the entirety of his two years as a starting center at Nebraska. And it reared its ugly head again on Friday. Five bad snaps in the first half of that game. One went for a 19-yard loss that Adrian Martinez actually uh, got out of. He, he was able to keep that drive alive and, and score a touchdown on that drive. So credit to, uh, to uh, the Nebraska quarterback. But asked about it after the game, Scott Frost said that it was a result of clapping on the Iowa sideline that disrupted Jurgens. They addressed it with the with the officials, and it stopped. And then Kirk Ferentz went viral with his response to Frost's comments. So, what do we make of this, Scott? Is it is this going to hang over the heads of these two programs and their budding rivalry as we move toward that non Black Friday game as it's scheduled right now in twenty twenty one? Oh, yeah, I think it will. I mean, I think these are <laughs> hey, thank you. It's like afterwards, I was like, thank you, Kirk, for giving me something to, you know, really to add to here, the spice. I think it's been it's kind of fun and it's kind of important that, you know, this is how we've talked about this series for 10 years. Is it a rivalry? Is it not? Is it, you know, these are the moments that turn it, you know, series into rivalries and border rivalries. And, and I think what Kirk, 
just, you know, it was kind of like, are you kidding me? This is a big deal. And then he kind of went on a tangent about it. And and then, of course, he, he wrapped it up by saying, you know, what are they going to complain about next? You know, what I'm wearing, you know, the shirt. You know? <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. And, um, you know, is it a big deal for somebody on the Iowa sideline to clap during a game? I mean, there's the thought most of the time you're going to no. have 70,000 people there. Um, should Nebraska alter their cadence, uh, especially because nobody's there? I don't know. I mean, I guess that's more of a Nebraska question. Uh, Cam Jurgens has had a lot of problems snapping the football. And it's, to me, I kind of wonder, it's like, you got to either coach him up or get him out of there. And, and uh, clapping on the sideline is, if that disrupts you when you're trying to look up and there's Davion Nixon or Jack Heflin in front of you, then I think you've got bigger problems there. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see if the Purdue parents in the uh, in the stands this week in, in West Lafayette maybe pick up where the the uh, Iowa sideline left off, and it's the key to uh, to unnerving Nebraska on offense is those parents can can start a clap or or something. I mean, hey, they're chants. Boiler up, yeah. Boiler up. I <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, Scott. But but to, interestingly, Scott Frost doubled down. This week on Monday, when asked about Jurgens and his snapping issues, he didn't double down on the clap. There was no talk about the clapping uh, with Scott Frost as of yet this week, as we're at midweek. There were more important issues to address for the Huskers, who were one and four and rotating quarterbacks, than to talk again about clapping from the Iowa sideline. But he did get asked, of course, about Jurgens and and at what point it becomes too big of an issue for Nebraska to move forward with him as its center. And Frost kind of doubled down in support of Cam and, you know, remarked about what a tremendous athlete he is. And he is a great athlete. I mean, this is a guy who could have gone to LSU out of Beatrice, Nebraska as a tight end. And Frost came in in his first month on the job and lured him to Nebraska under the promise that they were going to turn this guy into a great player. And they convinced him to play center and he switched positions in his first year on campus. And it's been a rough ride. I mean, he has put on... Some great size. He's strong. He's a good blocker. It looks to me like he could be a tremendous offensive guard. But Nebraska is intent to continue with this thing at center, even as his snapping issues, well, they're getting worse. That was as bad as it's been in the Iowa game on Friday. Um, there was the Colorado game last year, I believe, very early, his second game as the starting center where it was it was rough. But haven't really seen it rear its its head in, in quite that way that it did against Iowa. So Nebraska's Nebraska's, you know, they're 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 tying the tie you know, tying themselves to uh to Cam Jurgens on this deal. And uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh as the Huskers go to Purdue, they are gonna continue with this it looks like they're gonna continue with this quarterback situation where Martinez and Luke McCaffrey play. What did you think in watching the Huskers Friday about the way that that worked for the Nebraska offense? I thought it worked as well as it could be expected. I didn't see a noticeable drop-off when one was in and one was out. I will really commend Nebraska. I thought they played really hard, and they played as tough as you could possibly play because that was the game against Illinois was not the game that I saw um, out of them. And I like Adrian Martinez. I still think he's a, a good player. I just I think there just needs to be one more gear in his game. I wonder about Luke McCaffrey, though, if 
that's really his best position. But I know he's the future there, and and Scott Frost has kind of boxed himself into a corner with these two guys. And I, you kind of figure, you know, once the season's over, there's going to be this line that's either somebody's going to leave or somebody's going to switch positions. But I really didn't think that either one performed that badly. I thought they actually looked pretty good. Yeah, Martinez was 18 to 20 throwing the ball, and it wasn't a bunch of downfield throws that were difficult to complete. But still, uh, he was accurate. I thought he was good on the on the shorter passes, which has been a problem at times for him this year. Not necessarily to complete them, to, but to complete them and put his his backs and slot receivers in position to be able to get yards after the catch, which is key, of course, on those passes. So he did a really nice job. He looked as good throwing the ball as he has at any time this year. Uh, that's Martinez. And McCaffrey gave Nebraska a spark. The Huskers had to punt on their first two possessions, and McCaffrey came in for possession three and four, and he picked up the tempo, and he, I, think he, I think he caught Iowa a little bit on their, on their back feet a couple of times up front. He moved the ball down the field. Struggles continue for McCaffrey in the red zone, but Nebraska, with the competent kicker this year, was able to get six points and then hand it back to Martinez, who really then upped the momentum for Nebraska. So I think the plan in the first half worked about as good as could be expected. You knew that Iowa would stop the Huskers at some point on with, with that defense, but Nebraska was able to get some points with McCaffrey, and then Martinez came in and led a couple of touchdown drives one in each half that had Nebraska in front after being down 10 to nothing in that game. So you're going to see them go back to that this week at Purdue, probably two series and two series, and then you go with the hot hand. And honestly, at this point in the season when this team is one and four and they're just scrapping for anything, trying to find momentum wherever they can get it, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I say, you know, be unorthodox, do whatever it takes. You may not even have a game next week. This could be it. I mean, Minnesota seems to have the biggest issues uh, of anybody in the any school in the program with with COVID. And who knows if if uh, PJ Fleck and the Gophers are going to want to come to Lincoln on December twelfth. So let it all hang out in in West Lafayette. That's my my thought. You know what? I think that could be a really interesting game. I mean, you, there is some. You know, I, I don't think Purdue is going to be able to stop Nebraska's running game. Um, Purdue certainly did not stop Iowa's. Iowa stopped Iowa's when it fumbled. Um, but I also look at the other side of the ball and what Purdue's able to do through the air with uh, David Bell and, and and Moore. I mean, Rondell Moore. It, it's going to be very, very difficult to slow that down. So I think this could be a really high-scoring game, entertaining game. Uh, come down to the last couple of minutes as to who uh, you know, who pulls it out. So you know, I'm I'm not going to go on the the bandwagon of saying that if Nebraska goes there and wins, it's you know it's it's turning a corner. I think that's premature. But I do think it could make them feel good. You know, give them a, a sense of okay, things aren't so bad. You could build on it, and then uh, you know, but it's going to be a challenge because I think both those receivers are very capable of of putting together some pretty good games. Right. Any win for Nebraska is a great thing to build on right now. And we should mention, too, that that Purdue defense that has been struggling is directed by Bob Diaco, <laughs> who has Iowa ties and also has Nebraska ties as the defensive coordinator for Mike Riley in the 2017 season when things just went completely awry and Diaco <laughs> was 
was <laughs> responsible for some of it. He was a scapegoat. He was mm-hmm. he was the uh, he was kind of public enemy number one at times in Lincoln that year. So I think Nebraska fans, um, people around the Nebraska program would 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 take a little bit of a satisfaction from seeing the Huskers put up a bunch of points on a Bob Diaco defense, but. Nebraska hasn't put up a ton of points on 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 any defense this year, so yeah. uh, you know we'll see if that can if that can come come to fruition. If it gets to be yeah. a shootout, I kind of like I kind of like David Bell and Rondale Moore in a in a shootout. Nebraska needs to keep that thing close to thirty points and, and hope to uh, you know hope to uh, win with its defense. I would say at, at, with getting some plays from its defense at the end. Yeah, so, and, I, and I would say you know I, I'm anxious to see. This Iowa-Illinois game, I mean, if you like points, I don't know that this is the game for you, but I think you're going to see some really hard hits. Um, Illinois is incredibly physical, and I don't know that they're necessarily good, but they will hit you really hard. And I love Jake Hansen, their middle linebacker. And and listening to Lovey this week, I mean, you know, they were embarrassed by Iowa two years ago at home, 63 to nothing. And last year was a much more competitive game, but you know that that really rubbed them the wrong way. And Iowa didn't even throw a pass, I don't think, in the second half, and it was still that bad. So I, I expect a very you know feisty effort from from the Illini. And if Spencer Petras plays poorly, I think this could be a very competitive game going well into the fourth quarter. And and uh, that's. It doesn't always spell the, and I, I would take Brandon Peters over Spencer Petrus if it's close late. Yeah, and Illinois had a week off last week, so they're going to be fresh. And Peters looked pretty good in his return from the COVID protocol, his last time out against Nebraska. So I'm not writing off Illinois in this one either, but I do think that Iowa is the stronger all-around team. Yeah. So another week of not so great player picks from us. Last week, I chose Tyler Goodson as my selection. He rushed for 111 yards on 30 carries. Not too bad, but I think I kind of stole your pick. You wanted to go with Goodson, and you ended up going with Makai Sargent, who uh, didn't 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 get many opportunities in that game. Uh, he got well, a, he didn't get a touchdown though. <laughs> and I, okay. I, I was actually watching this throughout the game, and I had my I was thinking about it. I'm like, if Tyler gets under a hundred then I win because Makai Sargent has the touchdown. And then he got 111. I'm like, all right, forget it. I mean, 30 carries, uh, at yeah. C- he averaged, what, 3.3 yards per carry, Goodson did, yeah. something like that. But it was, it was uh, you know, he, he held onto the football, and he, he moved the chains. He did what Iowa needed to do to kick a bunch of field goals, to get Keith Duncan in position to uh, kick a bunch of field goals and then deliver some, some epic trash talk after the game. <laughs> so I'm giving Goodson the win just because of the way that he contributed to allowing Keith Duncan to do good things in that game. I agree. So yeah. this week, yeah, this week I'm taking Rondale Moore. I'm again going to pick somebody going against the team that I cover in Nebraska. And I, I think – I mean, I think he's a huge matchup problem. We haven't seen vintage Rondale Moore really in the two games that he's played this year since coming back from injury. He's been good, put up decent numbers against Minnesota and Rutgers. But at some point in in this, what is his last year in college, by all expectations, he is going to have a game like he did in that true freshman year against Ohio State. And maybe it's Saturday. So I'm going Rondale Moore, and you are taking – I'm going to go with Wisconsin running back Garrett Groshek. You know, here he is, a senior, the final scheduled home game for the for the uh, Badgers. 
I think that this is one of those games where he's going to, they're just going to pin and pull him to death. It's going to be nothing but gap blocking. They're going to run 64 times and uh, try to get 300 yards, and Groshek is just going to kind of ground him up. So I, that's who I kind of go with. But I see your point on Rondale Moore. I think this could be one of those, yeah, his first game. Uh, was against Northwestern on a Thursday night as a true freshman. And he had like two, 200 plus yards. It was incredible. And I, he's right. game I remember for watching one, that. Yeah. He's game for one more. And I think that's, you're right. I think this might be the one and I'm sure the one against Indiana will, he'll get some catches there too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's our show in the East this week. Ohio state and Michigan are set to play in East Lansing Maryland is scheduled to go to Michigan, though the Wolverines have issues and are off from team activities as we record this on Tuesday night. And Penn State is at Rutgers. Penn State in the win column after the victory at the Big House last week. Every Big Ten team has won at least one game this year. So please listen to the Big Football Show every day. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Review the show. Give us a five-star rating. And, of course, subscribe to The Athletic for coverage from all of us on college football and much, much more across sports. Thanks for listening.